Impact Hustlers, the podcast on entrepreneurs and changemakers that are creating solutions to the world's biggest problems. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. And this is your host, Maiko Shafrat. In today's episode, I'm talking to Pierre-Yves Pastier, co-founder of Skipping Rocks Lab, a startup that has developed groundbreaking edible packaging. Uh, in the UK alone, 35 million plastic bottles are used every day and thrown away, uh, with almost half of those bottles not being recycled. Um, Skipping Rock Lab, once again, Skipping Rocks Labs, uh, Skipping Rocks Labs' first product is an edible water bottle that can eliminate any waste related to bottled water or soft drink. Uh, the Uhu bottles, as the company calls them, are completely made from plants and seaweed and are cheaper than the use of industrial plastic. It's great to have you on the podcast, Pierre. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much. Um, how do your water bottles actually work? Do they look like bottles? How do I use them if I come across them? Yeah, so usually we like to say that our packaging looks a bit more like a fruit than like a bottle. Um, so Oho looks like a bubble, a sachet, Uh, that contains uh, water or other beverages, other liquids. Uh, it's transparent, so it means that uh, you can see through it, but also if the content is colored, it takes the color of, of the juice or uh, whatever is inside. Um, and it's made from seaweed, so the material is completely natural. It's also edible, as you say, so you can eat it. And it's also biodegradable. And when we say biodegradable, it's truly nature biodegradable so it takes four to six weeks to biodegrade doesn't re require any kind of industrial uh, composting or anything so it means that when waste ends up in the environment like it often does uh, it doesn't create any uh, negative impact mm -hmm. how big is the problem that you're trying to solve is this about plastic waste and how big is that problem so the problem is pretty massive um, you just said the, this figure of like 350 million bottles in the UK every day. And um, actually, the, the, the vision we have for Skipping Rocks Lab is to look at a lot of single-use packaging or single-use plastic. Um, and those represent a large amount of all the, the trash that we generate. Um, I think that in the like uh, on average, there's one garbage uh, truck of plastic that is uh, put in the ocean every minute. And packaging is about 40% of that. So it's a huge amount of, of materials that we waste after a single use. Mm -hmm. um, so looking at your solution, it sounds pretty genius, right? So you basically eliminate plastic. It's actually cheaper to produce. Um, and it's fun to use as well. So I actually had a sip from, from it at an event a while ago. So... Um, You eradicate plastic. So why isn't it used everywhere yet? And what's the barrier for you that you find you face when you're trying to convince people to use this? So uh, first of all, I think that uh, our solution works particularly well for on-the-go consumption. And so uh, we don't expect to solve the problem of the big bottle in the supermarket, but it's more the one that you're going to consume really quickly on-the-go, on your way to work or at an event. Um, And, and that's a pretty big market. We'll really uh, like have a lot of work if we want to eliminate plastic from, from those alone. Uh, but it's important for us to, to focus on 
where our product works best, which is uh, like consumption within a few minutes, uh, and then having something disposable uh, that's not going to create uh, any negative impact. So we're looking at uh, marathons and running events. Uh, we've done lots of uh, events already, and and it just works really well for for those kind of uh, situations. Um, over the summer, we we were at a lot of festivals, uh, providing hydration, but also cocktails and like shots. Uh, so that's when you mentioned fun. That's that's the like the other possibility of of that uh, like the edibility of the content. Uh, but we're really trying to find a way to enter in the retail market because there's a, a huge amount of uh, plastic generated in takeaway places. Um, so we've been in suffrages for a month and really like doing pilots to prove that this can work. Um, and someday I think that there's a chance for every Pret-a-Manger and Starbucks and wherever you're buying lo- your lunch to provide uh, like these kind of sachets rather than, than plastic bottles. Uh, one of the market that is uh, quite exciting at the moment is uh, deliveries. And we've been uh, partnering for the past six weeks with Just Eat uh, to provide ketchup sachets and mayo sachets to one of their restaurants. And it's, it, it works just great because those kind of packaging have such a short amount of like use time you literally are going to use them from like the time they get put in the box to the time you're going to use them and so for this it just doesn't make sense to use plastic which is pretty much indestructible so we're really focused on on those uh on those situations mm. and could this material that you have also be used for let's say you know traditional bottles shaped uh forms like where maybe one of those big companies that produce soft drinks and water like PepsiCo or Coca-Cola could actually say, oh yeah, we use this material. You might not want to eat it, but at least it's biodegradable. Is that something that could be done with with what you develop? So uh, there's two things to that question. The first one is uh, about eating the packaging. And you're absolutely right. Uh, In terms of what we expect people to do when they consume Oho, you eat it the first time because it kind of proves how natural it is. But actually, you're not really meant to you to eat your packaging, so it's really just there to prove that we are in the category of like fruit peel rather than plastics. Uh, but most of the time, we expect people to throw it in the bin, and it will biodegrade. Um, in terms of uh, using it to make bottles, we 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 faced the the problem that when we developed this, that um, you can't really expect a material to have uh, a shelf life on on the shelf for like three years or something like this, but to biodegrade really quickly after that. And so uh, we we've realized that you have to compromise on one of the two. And uh, currently, the plastic bottle decides to compromise on uh, the 700 years that it's going to take to to biodegrade. For us, we really focus on short shelf life. And the re- like, if you think about it, it's a bit more like a fruit. Uh, it's a natural. Uh, material so uh, water is going to like slowly evaporate out of it you have something that is uh, requiring to be a bit more fresh and so when we when we were developing the 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 solution we had to come up with a new manufacturing process that really uh, brings an innovative take on the whole current ecosystem so we couldn't use the traditional model of having a big factory that produces for an entire country or a few countries goes through a very long supply chain and like after maybe six months in trucks and hubs arrives to the consumer that just doesn't work with our materials so we had to create something that is based around local manufacturing so we've developed a machine that if you think of it it's a bit more like a ice cream truck 
things get made just before you consume them or like a, a Nespresso machine. And so by bringing the machines closer to consumption, you can actually have products that are very fresh and that don't require the very long shelf life that is usually required by the supply chain. Um, so in that sense, we can't really make bottles out of our material that have very long shelf life, but we can bring production really close to the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um I think this is a question that you get asked a lot, so I'll ask it here as well because probably many people will will wonder about it. And I know you developed some solution, but um, are people concerned about hygiene at all if they have this bubble in their hand that you know twenty other people might have touched before them? Is that an issue, and how have you solved that issue? So that's a really good point. I think that's something that definitely people who haven't tried the product usually are uh, a bit skeptical about, um, and for this. There's several ways to tackle the problem. The first one is that uh, for instant consumption and because our products are fresh, actually there is a much lower kind of like risk uh, associated with uh, contamination or, or uh, like dirtiness on the product. So for example, for running events, everything is produced uh, like the day before the event and everything is handled with gloves. And that way we have something that is really, really clean and the first person to touch it is you. Um, but we also know that there are certain situations where you definitely need to have uh, like an extra layer of protection. And usually people say, oh, but what are you going to do? Are you going to put it in a plastic sachet or something like this? So um, what we've actually developed is, uh, again, trying to copy nature with fruits and vegetables. We've made peelable layers. They're made from the same material. So basically, uh, you just peel the exterior layer that you can throw away. It's completely, uh, completely biodegradable. And then the, the layer underneath you can eat if you want. Um, and that's uh, basically a, a very simple way to create something that is not that unconventional. When you think about a lychee or any kind of fruit, orange, we're quite used to peel something before you, you consume it. So so that's the model we're going for. Mm, all right. Um, both you and your co-founder are coming out of Imperial College or came out of Imperial College a few years ago. Um, so you have a scientific background. Uh, you have still um, a team of uh, scientists that actually work with you at Imperial. Um, how did you make the transition from making this discovery or seeing this technology and then actually building a company around it? Can you talk us a bit through that process? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think it's been it's been a really interesting journey. We've, we've been uh, in the making for four years now. Um, and we are technical founders, but actually our backgrounds are not at all in chemistry or biology. So we, we, we decided at the beginning to leverage some existing technologies. The inspiration came initially from fake caviar um, that uses a, a technology that like, uses extract from, from seaweed and kind of started to prototype things in our kitchen. Um, so there was uh, an element of uh, almost non-expertise in this area that maybe allowed us to take things where like, people didn't take them before. Uh, but really quickly, we, 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 we brought uh, together a, a team of chemists and chemical engineers from Imperial, and that was really uh, like allowing us to improve the, the material and the technology overall. Uh, but it took us a while to figure out how to turn this into a business. And I think that uh, it was an interesting journey because we had to learn the business skills a bit like, from scratch and... Uh, uh, we took some detour, but uh, now we have 
uh, found a model that worked quite well. We have a team of very skilled people who are really doing an amazing job to, to bring this forward. And about a year and a half ago, we kind of got to the point where we were ready enough, the plan was ready and robust enough to raise some funding um, uh, for execution. And so we decided to go for crowdfunding, equity crowdfunding. So people were able to buy shares of the company uh, like pretty much for any price they wanted. Um, and so that was a, a great way for us to jump into the action. Uh, we, we raised in uh, just three days, uh, double the amount we had planned. And now we have 900 investors who are kind of like our ambassadors everywhere in the world. So it's, it's been a really good push. And I think that that, uh, that way to fund uh, like business from other people who are motivated to see this happen is a, is, is a really great one. It's very democratic and uh, it's a very direct way to get projects to move on. Mm-hmm. And I think your background is also you actually worked in the consumer goods industry and have a bit of a background in that and got uh, exposed to packaging and how it works. Like, how, how did you first, when did you discover this problem and did you face it in that job at all? Or um, Yeah, um, so I used to work for L'Oreal and I was like uh, working on the um, like, uh, skincare product. So uh, launching new products in the tens of millions making bottles making jars and when you visit those factories you realize the scale that is required for filling all of the supermarkets of the world and it's a bit scary i think as a first job as a like fresh graduate it's quite impressive and exciting to work on on really large scale products but very quickly you just have to realize how crazy and unsustainable that industry is um and and also like the realizing that decisions get taken by people who are not well informed about the the impact on the environment so it's it's really hard to change things from within and actually i think that uh i came to the uk to do this masters where i met my co-founder after this experience and i really didn't think that i would <laughs> end up in packaging again that was kind of like enough for for me i wanted to move on to something else but but uh um I think that, yeah, there was definitely a lot of insights from how this industry works, extremely commoditized and really hard to bring innovation from within, but as well, a huge potential of disruption when you're actually doing things that are in line with sustainability and what people really want. And I think that uh, it's, it's a, it's a f- like fascinating shift uh, that's happening in this industry and, and one that is going to be... Uh, probably uh bringing more disruption in other industries because it's 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 a very fast turnaround industry so things can be uh disrupted super quick Mm. um you talked about your investors and your successful fundraise um before and i'll begin to dig a bit deeper on that um because i can imagine when you first came out with this idea which had some applications with fake caviar but besides that sounded like pretty new and like not really tested and proven how did you convince investors or did you struggle to convince them in the beginning and what did you do to eliminate some doubts that people had it was definitely uh, a rough time i think at that point our resources were really stretched we were running on some grants but um it was it was really hard to uh to get anything moving and so we had to convince people on the vision alone uh, we had really early prototypes that uh, maybe didn't demonstrate 
uh, the, the the industrialization that we were working on. Um, so it wasn't easy, and I think that uh, to kickstart the, the the fundraising, we had uh, like some initial commitments from some angel investors, and it probably took us about nine months of hustling, of like talking to people, presenting, pitching, to get the first maybe 150,000 pounds committed. And then it took three days to get the rest of the 850,000. So it's really hard to get the first people to, to say, okay, let's, let's, let's take the risk, let's go for it. As soon as you've got a bit of traction, then you can really use that to your advantage. So definitely that, that first part was hard. And I think that especially with the current ecosystem of uh, startups, there's specific themes that people want to invest in. And when you're falling, not really in food, not really in sustainability, not really in like uh, tech, the classic uh, like way we describe tech, it's a bit harder to convince people that this is a, an idea that has a lot of potential and wealth going behind. Mm. And, and then after you secured some angel investment, you basically went to a crowd investing platform, right? So yeah. that's why you have now what, what 900, you say, 900 investors. investors. Yeah. Well, is, is that hard to manage those numbers? No, that's, it's awesome. Uh, I think that uh, the, way, the way now crowdfunding works, there's, there's, there's a great amount of uh, structure and uh, it's, really, it's done really well. And we use CrowdQue, we're really happy with uh, our experience. And I think that um, it's... Uh, it's really great to have that direct uh, way to run the business. I think it's also uh, a way to, to give a lot of uh, um, freedom and uh, responsibilities to the founders to get to the next stage because uh, obviously you have a very, really fragmented uh, um, cap table and, and like in list of investors. So it's really your responsibility to make sure that you get to the next level. Um, but our investors are great. They're always kind of like uh, uh, really enthusiastic about the progress we made, sometimes trying to give us a bit of uh, advice or introductions on, on different things. And they're all around the world. So it's also a really great way to share the word and say that this is happening. So great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, moving from investors to your customers, you mentioned Just Eat and the work you're doing with them. Um, I don't know if you can mention a few more, but what were some of the challenges with your first customers when you first started approaching companies and people out there with that concept what were they hesitant about and how did you break that hesitation i think it's uh it's it's been really interesting because um from a consumer point of view there's there's something quite so differentiating quite fun quite a bit like unreal about eating your packaging in those transparent bubbles so we definitely get the attention and the discussions going, but then it's about transforming that into uh, like a trial or a contract. And uh, I think that we quickly realized when we were like early stage that it's really hard to work with big companies, with corporations, um, because uh, it's really hard to get uh, the validation from the right people. The cycles are super, super long. So we focused a lot our energy on smaller players, on people that can say yes, and it just happens. And so that was a really great way to prove that that was working, that there was a lot of good things coming out of those trials. And then using those to really convince the the, the bigger players that uh, it was worth trying to get things going. So 
we have been doing yeah a lot of running events and that was probably the one that was like that started the earliest because it's it's uh, it's very easy to explain the use case and get people engaged and then we we we've done some trials in the retail industry with uh, selfridges and with a number of like juice shops and uh that's that's been yeah like using the smaller tests to convince some some bigger ones and now i think in the in the sauce industry with uh, the trial with just it there is something really nice about how scalable that model is uh we provided i think about 6000 sachets over like a month and a half to a restaurant on the platform of just it and it just worked people were excited about it there was no complaints just working well so now we can see how we can bring that to the 28000 other restaurants of just eat for example so trying to make small pilots and and scaling afterwards okay from there um do you pr still produce all that in your own facilities or how how do you manage that scale yeah so so one of the thing that is uh holding us back uh, still is the development of that machine that i mentioned and and really the the vision for us is to provide those machines and sell the cartridges of materials and people can then encapsulate their own beverages for a restaurant or for an event or, or whatsoever. And so we've been making several iterations on our machine. We're finalizing the first commercial machine. So that's why we, we have limited capacity at the moment. So we are producing everything in-house uh, in our um, uh, own facilities and we're using the capacity of the machine for doing like those trials one after another. But hopefully from 2019, we're going to have a bunch of machines in different places and be able to um, really uh, show that we can scale that model. Mm -hmm. um, since you first came up with this concept, uh, you've really come a long way. Uh, you've been in great places talking about this. You've partnered with amazing organizations to to spread this. Um, I've, I've seen your co-founders talk at uh, Google X, uh, the moonshot factory of Google. Uh, I think they had an event in Berlin where you presented. So, you, uh, and obviously, um, there, there's been a lot of buzz around your concept a, a while ago on social media and Mashable and just so much content about you guys. It's uh, really amazing to see. Um, what would you say would, was the biggest challenge you had to overcome and since starting out and what would you regard as the biggest challenge to come that you still need to solve to get where you want to get um i think the biggest challenge that we've had so far was uh to get all of the elements right for these to to fly and i think we started with the the concept of that edible packaging with with initial prototypes uh but There was a lot to do on the material side to make this a robust packaging. There was a lot to do on, on the on the like manufacturing and the machine side to make this uh, producible at scale. And there was a lot to do on design to make it something exciting and desirable for people and make sure that uh, people are uh, understanding what it's about. Um, and so those elements took like they arrived kind of in sequence and uh it was waiting for all of these things to be developed enough to have a cohesive you know, uh, story that 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 was challenging for maybe the first couple of years of, of the business um and i think moving forward um the the biggest challenge we're gonna face is um probably just um trying to bring this so we're going for this local manufacturing model and so it means that we're going to have uh, 
lots of machines around, lots of uh, like situations where this is going to be used and make sure that we have something that works for each individual situation is going to be a, uh, quite quite a challenge. But I think that it's also quite exciting to imagine that um, like someone in Mumbai or in like uh, Paris or in Sydney can use the same machine and produce locally uh, some seaweed packaging to get rid of plastic. And so that's that's going to be uh, like what we're going to work hard on for the next uh, next few years, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, I'm excited to see to see that machine. Um, last but not least, uh, I'd like to ask you: What is the massive global impact you're trying to have? Is what's the vision for the next ten years of this company? Is it that everybody has such a machine and this production gets so localized that people can just locally produce? these little bubbles to drink out of or what's what's the big vision for the next 10 years that you'd like to accomplish so i think at the scale of the company we we see beyond just oho and uh we like to say our motto is to make packaging disappear so we want to apply the the same kind of thinking and technology that we've developed on oho on other single-use packaging or single-use plastic and we've got in the pipeline some some pretty exciting uh, prototypes of bags and uh, sachets and uh, coffee cups and straws and a lot of other things that currently we use uh, over a very short amount of time and that we dispose of. And I think the potential for using natural materials for replacing those uh, disposable objects is huge. So I think for me, the the, the vision is to have a, a portfolio of different solutions that Each one of them is quite specific to an application, but has a real impact and can really stop uh, traditional packaging from being used. Um, and I think the, 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 the goal is really to, uh, to start seeing an impact on the amount of packaging that gets to the ocean or that gets to the landfill. And when we're going to start to see a bit of a dip on our consumption, that would be just amazing. So. That's an amazing question to to work on. I wish you all the best for that. Uh, thanks very much for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thank you. This was Impact Hustlers. Impact Hustlers is brought to you by Fast Forward 2030 and Real Changers. Visit fastforward.com to learn how to include the global goals into your business model and realchangers.com to find talent and careers with impact. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share the episode, leave us a review and consider becoming a supporter on buymeacoffee.com slash impact hustlers. This means a lot to me. Thank you very much for tuning in and see you next time. Bye.